Welcome back, everyone, to the Frustrated Fans, where we're venting frustrations, one franchise at a time. I'm Jeremy. I'm Pete. And today, we are covering the only movie ever to feature the wrestler, The Ultimate Warrior. Well, in character of someone else, but yes. Yes. Uh, well, this is something not so that's... much someone else. <laughs> this movie is so obscure that not only is it direct-to-video, but we're not counting it direct-to-video hell. We'll get to that later. It has no Wikipedia page. It has no TV Tropes page. And most people don't even know it exists. Yep. To the point where there's actually a 1970s movie called Firepower that has a link to a review about the movie we're covering. So, yeah. Um, yeah, it's... Interesting. And uh, you can see why it was direct-to-video. Yeah, it's a little bit low uh, low budget. Low budget, and probably couldn't have survived theaters. No, so the summary for this movie, which <laughs> I just kind of wrote this down, is in the not-too-distant future, two cops go undercover to expose and take down a crime lord that runs fights to the death and deals a fake AIDS vaccine. Yeah, that's right. Fake AIDS vaccine. Topical Buckle in, folks. To do this, they must go up against the deadliest fighters, including the Swordsman, played by professional wrestler, the Ultimate Warrior. You get one, you get one skrunk. <laughs> yeah, so I guess we need to start by um, explaining who this Ultimate Warrior is. Right, You're so, the wrestling fan, so. Yep. yep. The Ultimate Warrior was a was really big in the late 80s and early 90s. His whole persona was basically this crazed wild man with face paint, wore tassels on his arms, and he would run to the ring, jump in, shake the ropes like a maniac, and then beat people in like two minutes because after running all the way down to the ring, he was... He was too gassed to uh, put on a full-long match. <laughs> um, and he's also famous or infamous for his just incomprehensible promos. <laughs> oh, where he would just, he would, sh- he would get, he would start sweating during his promos. He'd stand there, start shaking around like a maniac and be like, oh, can you feel it, dude? Love this shit. But- Load the ship with the rocket fuel. Load it with the words. Yeah, load the ship with the rocket fuel. Load it with the words. You know, he he would say the most bizarre stuff that made absolutely no sense whatsoever. Nope. But it was fun. (laughs) Um, One uh, another wrestler, Chris Jericho, described Warriors promos as, "I don't really know what he said, but I think it sounded cool." So yay. So. Obviously, you've had experience with the WWE growing up. What was that like? Uh, not too much growing up, actually. Uh, I watched a little bit oh, uh, with my just... dad. Huh? More than me, but continue. Yeah, I watched a little bit with my dad and his dad, my grandfather. And so I watched a little bit of it then. And then I didn't watch it for like the longest time until about like 2006 I got into it. Fell out of it for a little bit. Now I'm constantly watching. I actually started constantly watching again shortly after they inducted the ultimate warrior into the hall of fame 
Unfortunately, about three days later, he passed away. Yeah, whose his real name is James Helwig, although he legally yep. changed it to the Ultimate Warrior. Yes, he did. <laughs> um, so, as for yeah. me, oh no, I'm sorry. Were you done? Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. I just, I, I am a, a, a fan of his. Is he is, goddamn, he is fun to watch and. Well, not his entire career was great. I, I've seen some of his best matches, and yeah, he was he was pretty good. He was pretty cool. Now, on me, on the other hand, I was not a fan of anything WWE growing up. I almost regret it. Um, I've kind of gone back and watched some of the highlights as an adult, and I can see why people got into it. I'm still not really into it, but more or less my reason was not getting into it is as you may guess, yeah, I was kind of bullied in grade school, but and every kid bigger than me who liked to pick on me loved WWE, so I was just like, nope, I'm out. I'm not yeah. dealing with kind this. Kind of like guilt by association sort of thing. Yeah. I was not going to be one of the guys who, who, who at the lunch table was just sitting talking about, you know, wrestlers the entire time. Yeah. Well, if it makes you... If- if it makes you feel better, currently, and they've been doing this for a while, WWE is promoting, like, anti-bullying campaigns. Good. And basically, it's like, don't be a bully, be a star. And, like, they they portray any wrestler who acts like a bully as, like, the villain, and they always get their comeuppance and get tossed around. Oh, good. So yeah. I, I wasn't aware of the Ultimate Warrior. Um, I mean, I knew tangentially who Hulk Hogan was because he was – he kind of invaded popular culture outside of the WWE. Yeah. It was kind of hard not to know who Hulk Hogan and, was. And, you know, I remember the trailer for Mr. Nanny yeah. <laughs> and all that other fun stuff. Um, but my first exposure to the Ultimate Warrior was through the the Linkara and the Spoonie reviews of his material. Both just – and let's be honest. Spoonie does a very good rendition of him. And Linkara the, – the Ultimate Warrior comics are just – some of the weirdest stuff you will ever come across in that medium. And that's saying something. Yeah. They kind of translate those long rants into actual comics. <laughs> where Destrucy is somehow a thing. Um, <laughs> I, I need to check that out. <laughs> well, I'll send you links after we're done. But, yeah. So, again, I'm sorry I missed it, but let's be honest. There are worse movies with WWE actors. Oh, yeah. Like the Marine, or the Marine Two, or the Marine Three, or the recently released Marine Four, or anything Hulk Hogan was in. Yeah, especially the three ninja sequels. <laughs> oh God, I forgot he was in that. Yeah, he was in the direct-to-video one. Yes, he was. Oh my gosh, it was like bat. It was at a amusement park or something. I never saw it. I just know of it. Uh, it's, uh, Three Ninjas High Noon at Mega Mountain. God. <laughs> oh, uh, you know, I'm looking at the poster for it. It is really weird to see Hulk Hogan with a full head of hair. So, um, that just leaves this movie. Now, as I understand it, didn't The Ultimate Warrior kind of get suspended at one in the mid-90s? Yeah, so in... When was WrestleMania 6? Hang on. Because I need to... Get the timeline here. In 1990, Ultimate Warrior beat Hulk Hogan clean at WrestleMania 6 to win the world championship and become like the new face of the company. Mm-hmm. And less than a year later, 
in 91 at the beginning of 91 he lost the he lost the title and then had a actually really good match at Mania that year too with Randy uh with Randy Savage uh-huh. but so later that year he there was there's there's a lot of controversy around this of what actually happened but there was like some backstage politics involved where it's going to be Hulk Hogan and the Warrior versus like the three invading Iraqi guys because this was 1991. Yeah, you couldn't get away with that today. <laughs> yeah. Oh no, they they've actually they actually went with an evil Russian story lately. Oh, God. <laughs> Fighting the powerful American champions. What is this Rocky 3? Yeah, in 2014 and in the beginning of 2015 this was a plot line because they're crazy. So there was some backstage stuff. Um, Warrior left slash was let go shortly after that. And then in 1992, he came back again and then left again shortly after. Um, so in 93, he was not with the, he was not with the WWE. So I don't know if he had decided to go into, you know, try going to... into a film career or if they just hired him because of who he was, like maybe name recognition <laughs> and the fact that he's a giant jacked up badass that can beat the crap out of people. Yeah. But we should probably take our first break. Yeah. Sounds good. 28 of those normal men stacked one on top of another can't come close to the feelings and the destinations from parts unknown. So, if you're making a mid... Uh, mid? Okay. Let's say early to mid-90s direct-to-video movie, and you want to save time on script, <laughs> and if you, you are a writer... Michael January? Yeah, I, so I looked up, like, the people behind this movie, like, the director and the writer, and neither of them have really done a whole lot. Um, I believe Michael January has mainly worked in television. Okay. Um, he's, uh, let me take a, he's, he's done some foreign films. Uh, the last thing, it looks like uh, the very latest that he's done is 2010. And Richard Pepin, the director has not done a whole lot either. He's done mainly TV shows. He's done some TV shows. He was the producer on all three Bikini Summer movies. Whatever the hell those are. I don't want to know. <laughs> uh, apparently he was the producer on Magic Kid 2. Okay, what? fine. Whatever. Anyway, if <laughs> point is, is if you want to save money on, a, on your script, just Open up t- in, in the modern day. You just open up TV tropes. You find copy and paste pretty much. In the nineties, you look at everything that's popular, copy and paste. So let's go yeah. over this. The basic plot of the movie is two cops. The basic me, the basic plot of the movie is that in the center of LA is a lawless area where the cops do not go on purpose. It's called and it's called the Hell Zone or Zone of Personal Freedom the other thing yeah, they kept tossing around. Or just the zone. Right. The idea is that it's complete anarchy. The law is only what you make of it. So, obviously, you don't go in. Not unless you are looking to get hurt or you're in there for business or you can get the idea. Those who go in don't come out. So, okay. So let's count the movies we've already touched on. 
We've got Escape from New York and L.A. We've got RoboCop, right? Yep, we've got, yep, we've got Lethal Weapon. Well, we'll get to which... that in a bit. <laughs> so Yeah, Escape from L.A., lawless area, ruled by gangs. We'll get to that in just a sec. Because the pl- story begins with a, basically a, a police chase as gang members from the zone have wandered into the law zone and are getting chased by cops. Which, i got to say, this was one of the funniest, like, car chases I've ever seen. Yeah. Where they're just kind of, like, waving back and forth. <laughs> yeah. And, then, and the uh, the criminals ram a police barricade and just massive explosion yep. goes off what? and two what cars go flying. Is? I don't know why there was an explosion. Like, maybe Michael look- Bay wandered on set and waved his hands, and that happened. Oh, they look cool. That's what it's that way. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, two cops arrest one of the... Sh- Firstly, they introduce smart bullets and never bring it up again. No, they don't. I completely forgot about that. <laughs> oh, my God, I forgot about that part. Yeah, they managed oh. to shoot a guy through a car and call it a smart bullet technology. Yeah. See the and then they they beat up a and arrest. Yeah. Huh? They beat his up accomplice, arrest him, and bring him back to the precinct. And I, I like when um, they beat him up. So the family man cop says to his buddy, the badass martial arts cop, he's like, "Look, we don't want to get hit with another police brutality thing." So they bring the guy back, and they're like, "What happened to him?" He resisted arrest, and like the guy smart mouths, he goes, sounds like he's resisting again, so they smash his face into a desk. Now you can, <laughs> now you can quote Lethal Weapon. Yeah, it's... Oh, by the way, the martial arts cop has long hair. I would make a Chuck Norris joke, but Chuck Norris isn't in it. No, it's... This guy... I, I did read a little bit of, like, the different actors in it. The guy who plays the martial arts cop, Gary Daniels, uh-huh. was actually a kickboxing champion turned um, actor. Uh. And he's still in movies today. Huh. Yeah, he hasn't, been, he hasn't been in, like, anything huge. Apparently, he did have a part in the first Expendables movie. Huh. Um, I'm going to look that up and, Go ahead and continue. And he was actually in the live-action Tekken movie playing the character Brian Fury, which I almost want to check that movie out again to see this character and see him playing Brian Fury. Um, the but Brett, yeah, he's huh? been huh. he's been in a bunch of um, action movies. Nothing really notable, well known. Oh, and apparently he was a male stripper in Miami Vice. <laughs> For clarification, folks, when we record these things, I have a webcam, so Jeremy can see me. I can't see him. So sometimes he reacts to my facial reactions. Yep, so... (laughs) And this was just facepalm. Yeah, that's a short version. Yeah. So, So, Pete looked like he was going to say something, and then was like, if I admit to knowing this, no, no, I'm not admitting to knowing this. I don't want, no, I have no comment. Yeah. <laughs> so, and no, I don't know anything about said part. <laughs> Male stripper. <laughs> so, the cop, and another team of cops off screen bring in the, our bad guy, one of our bad guys, the swordsman. Okay, who is played by the ultimate warrior. 
And I gotta say this for the warrior. Um, he, I mean, it, don't get me wrong. This is a bad film when it comes just to pure, pure acting. Um, but the fact that, you know, the W, I'll give the say this for WWE. They actually have to act in their roles. Yeah. They're not just, because he, it's not the warrior. He's not just spouting off random stuff. He yells, he's, the swordsman may yell and scream, but he doesn't, he's not off talking about destrucity. Yeah. <laughs> He's not, he's not talking about Hulk Hogan tr- uh, putting his plane with the pilots who have already made the sacrifice into a nosedive and ending up in parts unknown. Right. <laughs> you know, I you know I have to admit I have a feeling when they hired him, the director or the writers just looked at him and went, you know what? Let's play to his strengths. He's a big, jacked up, scary dude. There, that's his character. Nonsensical promos aside, he's basically playing his wrestling character just as a villain. Yeah, and a lot quieter. Um, yeah. So, and he's actually he's probably one of the best performances in the movie simply because he's doing a character. He's playing a character that he's used to playing, and they introduce him by apparently whenever they book people, they're like uncuff him so he can scan his finger, even though they say he's like the most dangerous guy. So, like, okay, he then proceeds to beat the living crap out of people. Yeah. <laughs> finally managed to book him and get him in his cell, and then we do our next cliche from the 70s this time, Assault on Precinct 13. Yep. Now, where that movie is actually good and has the has the criminals team up with the cops to repel the in- invaders, nope. The gang, the gangers from the zone just storm the police, all, police station. And um, we learn that the police in this movie can't hit the broadside of a barn. To be fair, not many people can't. In this movie. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I, I do like, though, um, this movie does a lot of hint, hint, this is going to mean something later. When they lock up the guy that the two main characters bring in and when they lock up Warrior, they show this guy – they twice show this guy putting his palm on, like, the lock thing, you know, to lock the cages. Yeah. And so when the people, like, bust in, Warrior gets up and says his one line. He's like, get me out of here. No! Um, and I was like, oh, okay, they're going to grab one of the guys and drag him over. No, they walk up to one of the cards, blast off his hand with a shotgun, oh, uh-huh. hand, and put it on the palm reader. Well, that was unnecessarily brutal. <laughs> this was awesome. I think this is one of my favorite parts of the movie. The shotgun. <laughs> it's so ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, man. So they break out... Uh, I'm just going to keep calling him Warrior. Yeah, they break out Warrior, and um, meanwhile, they show the two main cops and their captain and this one uh, female cop that was hitting on the pretty boy cop. Yeah, wasted. And she gets shot, and now it's personal. Yeah. Cue another chase scene. And they go into the zone, and they're like, that's the zone, man. We can't go in. Screw it. We're going in. Yeah. I, I do like the um, <laughs> the pretty boy cop. I'm just not even going to be calling them by their names. Well, actually, no. This one we have to call him by his name. His name is Sledge. <laughs> because, and his wrestler name, when he actually starts fighting in the ring, is the Hammer. Yep. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> So, which he has the most one-liners in this movie, including one you you heard the one while they're chasing the uh, armored car, right? Remind me. 
where they're chasing the armored car. He's like, I'm going to check to see if there's any weak points. He pulls back and he goes, nah, this thing's tighter than a virgin in her first date. <laughs> On that note, we're going to take a short break. You Hulk Hogan, walk with a different force field around you. Walk on horizons that are close to where I've been. So the movie uh, continues with um, the cops are in the zone, but they get kicked right out because they're dressed as cops. Yep. After we see the warrior in characters, the swordsman, get to kill someone. With a sword, no less. Yep. So they beg their captain, again, lethal weapon, to go undercover <laughs> yep. into the zone without backup to figure yep. out how to get to the swordsman and figure out this whole fake AIDS vaccine. Oh, yeah, that's a plot point. Oh, yeah, we didn't bring that up. So the ver- at the very beginning of the movie... They ta- there's a news report about how there's a fake AIDS vaccine being passed around to replace the actual AIDS vaccine. Now, That's right. They have a vaccine for AIDS. Well, lowballing it, this they mentioned that the zone first went active in 1999, and it's, what, seven years later? So we can yeah, assume this is in the far-off year of 2006. 2006. Welcome to the world of tomorrow. <laughs> hey Pete, do you remember in 2006 when they came out with an AIDS vaccine? No. Uh, and so you find out that part of the plot, part of the main villain's plot, is to circulate a fake AIDS vaccine that gives people AIDS. Do they actually say that's what it does? Yeah, they said it doesn't work, and it actually gives people AIDS. That kind of seems counterproductive. I mean, yes, fake... Okay, a fake vaccine, sure, you're going to make money on people's desperation, I get that. But if you're deliberately giving them the disease they're trying to prevent, that's going to come back, one way or another. (laughs) Ow, logic, brain hurt. Yeah, at the beginning of the movie, they're like, AIDS has made a comeback, or something like that. I just, wow. That's got to be one of the most messed up villain plots ever. I shall give the entire populace AIDS. Because that'll keep them coming back and buying your drugs. Oh, God, it actually sounds like a really, really dark porno, actually. Uh, I also (laughs) want to point out that the movie does have a political, has a minor political moment in track, because the two cuffs, while they're in uniform in the zone, get to shoot a bunch of people, and they're like, yeah, it's so much nicer without paperwork. (laughs) <laughs> Gee. I think it's because they're in the zone so they're allowed to do whatever they want there yeah but even though cops aren't allowed to go in there yeah what? yeah Yeah. by the way their um, captain is played by George Murdoch who has actually been in a lot of stuff um, apparently he was in the Battlestar Galactica TV series back in the 70s he has been in a lot of stuff, including playing Admiral Hansen in the TNG's Best of Both Worlds two-parter. Hmm. And, not to mention, he got to play God in Star Trek V. What does God need with a starship? This, so this is a step down for him. <laughs> yes, it is. That's right, folks. <laughs> Being in firepower is a step down from Star Trek V. Oh, yeah. So they get permission to go in, and they take p- part in uh, these 
quote-unquote brutal fights that some of them are to the death, some of them aren't. And they make a couple friends, the uh, pretty boy cop Sledge, who then goes by the in-ring name of The Hammer. And the family uh, cop gets Alley Cat. Yep. And, uh, Which they never really bring up. So. No, they don't. Uh, yep. And so we, we have to talk see... about these cage matches for a moment. Yeah. Lethal or non-lethal, it's a plot in the movie that they throw two people in a cage and at some rant, at, at least, let's say, five minutes go by, a buzzer sounds, yeah. and then a computer, which we find out is the... Just some nerd. Eventually the coordinator of the fights, chooses to give them a weapon. Yep. And I love the fact that even in the non-lethal ones, they get bladed weapons that yeah. they can kill each other with. In theory, yes, they could. So, that's a thing. But Oh, and yeah, did you notice really... they covered all four weapons of the Ninja Turtles? So that's another movie. Oh, yeah, you're right. Holy cow. <laughs> huh. I didn't even think about that. did think about it when the guy got the nunchucks. Yeah. Oh, a fellow chucker, eh? Well, they have more than just the four classical Ninja Turtles weapons, but no shredder armor, so... Oh, God, could you imagine Ultimate Warrior as Super Shredder? Well, <laughs> that would have been a good ending to this Team of T2. <laughs> Actually, it is funny. Super Shredder was played by a wrestler. Kevin Nash played Super Shredder. <laughs> uh, you would actually know him as the Russian from um, the Punisher movie. Wow. Oh, oh the blonde guy that yeah, beats yeah, the living crap out of the Punisher? That's Kevin Nash. That's Super Shredder. So they eventually uh, they make they start making their way up and trying to find something. I guess I guess they know about the fake AIDS vaccine. Well, they're I, trying to find the swordsman. Essentially, confirm that he's there, which yeah. they already did. They and do find a, where the factory of the fake the fake vaccine is being made. Yeah, yeah, and so they eventually get found out because the guy that they arrested at the beginning breaks out, and first, just get his jollies, he kills the family man, the family cop's wife. Yeah. And, uh, meanwhile, he has a kid, and the kid just disappears partway through the movie. Well, they, they establish, like, the guy is supposed to be at home, his wife is upset that he's going in undercover to a lawless zone where he's likely going to get killed, and isn't around for his son. Fair enough. And as soon as that was established, I'm like, she's dead. She's dead. <laughs> She's dead. Especially because he finds a love interest in the zone. Right. And so they mentioned that their son is due for a, quote, social evaluation. I don't know how that means. I kind of yeah. took it as, like, what uh, kind of like what job would he be good at? So the wife gets killed, and the son isn't even mentioned again. No. Never again for the rest of the movie. Bye. To the point where... <laughs> Bye. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to the point where uh, Pete literally asked me like right before we started this, whatever happened to the son anyway? Like, notice I didn't mention him, and I had completely forgotten about the kid. Yeah, he's a throwaway character. We see him in one scene where he gets to play a Super Nintendo. So then the guy heads back to the zone, and it's like, hey, that guy's one of the cops that arrested me. And so, and so Sledge has to face the swordsman. And an admittedly decent fight scene, yep. where Warrior essentially does what his character did, 
no sell almost every single hit, kind of get knocked down a little at, at certain points, but then come back, pump up, and beat the crap out of him. And unlike his wrestling persona, lop his head off. Decapitation. Yep. Which that was pretty damn funny to watch him just pick up the severed head and hold up his sword and be going like, ah! <laughs> and I love the fact that the family man cop is watching this fight. He's watching his buddy get like his ass kicked and get, you know, almost killed. And he just, um, is just kind of blankly staring at it like, oh no. So, um, yeah, he then breaks out runs back out of the zone and finds that his wife is dead. And uh, uh, honestly, he seems to be more pissed off that his buddy is dead than his wife. Why would they give me pink armor? Hey, don't ask, don't tell. So he then, his, the police chief then says to him, like, if there's anything I can do, like, just name it. And he's like, I want to go back in and kill them. No, you can't. At this point, it's like, why don't you send in an entire, like, SWAT team or something? Well, to be fair in the movie, they do mention that the the mayor has tried to reclaim the zone and needed a bunch of cop deaths, so. Two man enter! No man leaves. Oh, okay. So, our, uh, our badass, no longer family man because his kid has disappeared into the ether, heads off on a motorcycle that shoots rockets! And uses those rockets on random cars that are just sitting there. And okay. we have Commando! Whoa! Yeah. <laughs> Except that he, he, not- go- he doesn't get shot throughout the entire thing. He only gets shot once, where the guy he had arrested finds him, shoots him with, like, a super gun or something, and he drops to the ground, and he's like, Ha-ha! I told you I'd take you out! Cop gets back up, shoots him in the head, and goes, and pulls off his jacket, shows a, like, throws his bulletproof vest to the ground to show the dead body, and goes, brand new issue. He then goes to where they're making the AIDS vaccine, and uh, suddenly has his body armor on again. Did you notice that? I did. Continuity in editing? What's that? Yeah, pretty much. He breaks in, starts shooting up the place, kills a bunch of dudes, and then finds that uh, the head bad guy is holding his new love interest hostage, and he has to face the swordsman. And to leave you on that cliffhanger... Ah, you can feel it, dude! You can feel it! Load the spaceship with the rocket fuel! Load it with the worst! So now, the final battle. The family man versus the swordsman. Heaven or hell. Duel. Let's rock. Yeah, Family Man wins because it's, it's a movie in the 90s. Yep. And I have to say, when he gets up to the... They fight on a roof, and when he gets up there, the camera just kind of shows that there's like one of those big you know, triangular windows up top. And I'm like, oh, he's going to kick Warrior through that. You know, Someone's got to go through that. It has to be there for someone to go through. Well, Warrior dies from being electrocuted. Family man then shoots the main villain who falls through the glass and lands on the AIDS vaccine. I, I honestly, when I was watching it, I'm like, watch. I was thinking to myself, watch. He'll explode just to make it even better. <laughs> Actually, when he crashed and landed on the fake vaccine, I literally looked at the screen. I literally just went, you got AIDS. Oh. <laughs> That's terrible and you know it. Yes, it is. 
So he and uh, new love interest live happily ever after, I guess, because the movie literally ends right there. (laughs) With them standing there, and that's it. Don't they hug, as I recall? I think so, yeah. So, yeah, this is just... Basically, it's copied and pasted from all the other movies out we mentioned. Yeah. Oh, 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 Highlander! That's what the last scene reminded me of. (laughs) Duh! There can be only one. <laughs> there can be only one warrior. Oh, you're dead. <laughs> it wasn't me. So yeah, yeah. So honestly, this isn't the best action movie. There's plenty of better action movies in the '90s, even better, and there's better campy action movies in the '90s, <sighs> like de- you know, like Demolition Man. Oh God. I was going to say, referencing earlier Commando, but yeah. But honestly, it does have its charm, and it's kind of so bad, it's pretty fun. And yeah, it does tick off every cliche in the book, and I guess you could turn that into a drinking game. Like, take a shot every time they parody lethal weapon. Take a shot every time they rip off Robocop. (laughs) And honestly, Warrior gets the part he was made for in a movie. They literally just took his wrestling character removed him saying it, almost anything, made it evil, and turned him loose on the movie. And he's really good. Well, a I, lot don't of, know. I would say a good majority of this movie is just the fight scenes in the cage. Yeah. And the fight scenes are actually pretty decently choreographed. You know, the actor, you know, the guy Gary Daniels who plays Sledge is actually, he's a real, he's a real kickboxer, so he knows how to fight. And, uh, yeah, I'd say check it out, and, yeah, Warrior is definitely the only, like, probably the most standout thing in the movie. Yeah, but, uh, I mean, it can't be fun. I'm not, I'm not saying it's a great movie, and, um, I can see why it was direct-to-video from the start, when you just basically copy and paste from every other movie. Yeah. Instead of going to theaters, but, um, I mean, for podcast, uh, for podcasters like us or other people, yeah, yeah, it's... It's kind of just an obscure gem, so to speak. Yeah. Because, yeah, like I said, when Wikipedia doesn't have an entry, when TV Tropes doesn't know about it, yeah. Yeah, I think this is this is the definition of obscure. Like, I mean, I tried looking to find the uh, DVD for this. I couldn't even find it. I had to get it through Netflix DVD, so. I, I got it through... Um, Am- Amazon actually had this for on-demand. You could rent it through them, so that's what I did. Yeah. By the way, where can they find us on the net? Oh, they can find us at frustratedpodcast.com. It has all the episodes up on there. It's where we post what's the up, what are going to be the upcoming episodes. There's a link to the forums where I like to post a preview for the for each episode, which uh Pete, did you happen to check out my preview uh note for this one? Uh yeah. Uh, yeah, and you can find us on iTunes under the Frustrated Fans. All goes up there first. It all goes up on the website at the same time. So check them both out. Subscribe. Leave us some comments. Leave us some reviews. So, uh, on that, we're in November, aren't we? Yes, we are. Mm. There's a uh, there's a holiday coming up. Yes. And do I smell sequel? You do. Mm. What could that do? Do I? Uh, do I smell sequel?
Fiat! So, next yep. time. After we <laughs> covered time, uh, Thanks Killing last year, well, we gotta do the sequel. Yep. And that's there is not the just sequel. because they're not a very sh- shortage of Thanksgiving movies. <laughs> no, it's because the first one was just too damn fun, and we have to see what the sequel, who is just called, which is called Thanks Killing 3, there is no 2. Yep. <laughs> we have to cover it, and that's our next episode. Thanks Killing 3. This time it's personal? I don't know. This time it's gravy. Oh. I am Ultimate Warrior. You are the Ultimate Warrior fans. And the spirit of Ultimate Warrior will run forever.